Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Follow Your Passion podcast. I'm your host, Erwin Wils. I'm a mindset business strategist and founder of Millionaire Life Strategy. In this podcast, I'm interviewing my clients and other entrepreneurs that are following their passion and make a good living out of it. When you want to know more about me or what I can do for you, check out my website, millionairelifestrategy.com. But first, check out this episode of Follow Your Passion. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Follow Your Passion podcast. Today, I don't have one guest. I have actually two guests. They are the wife and husband, and they're the owners of Metri Center for Love and Compassion. And they're going to introduce themselves. So go ahead. Thank you so much, Erwin. Hi, I'm Giselle Trava. David Trava. We are co-owners of Metri Center. And uh, like Erwin said, we are husband and wife and have two awesome children. Um, and, uh, and we do work on self-love and self-compassion. Great. So as I understand it, it's, it's both your passion to bring greater love and compassion into people's personal and work life. So how did that start? Yeah. Um, okay. So if you don't, do you want me to start? No, even. <laughs> Um, so it's interesting. Um, so David had a vision of having like a center where people come together for spirituality and love many, many, many years ago. And I was completely resistant. I was not at that stage. I was working in child welfare as a uh, director and uh, and was trying to bring just greater love and change into the child welfare system. I had always dreamed of being in the child welfare system because my parents had like horrible childhoods and we kind of uh, lived in that circumstance. And so my dream was to work within the child welfare system. And once I got there, long story short, the system is riddled with fear and control and power over and separation and division rather than bringing us closer together. I wanted to work at a place that would have helped my grandmother and my mother and her siblings stay together and have a joyful um, life, but that's just not the current system. And so I went out to seek something that um, that would have helped the people that I worked with because there was a lot of workplace suffering. And I was suffering myself, but I really sought out something to help because I was a leader within the organization. Um, but then I stumbled on self-compassion um, and I found that the more love and compassion I gave myself, the more I gave myself, which I was seeking for externally, the more love and compassion I had for other people, the more harmonious my relationships were, like with my husband and with other people in my life. And I thought to myself, well, we really need to do this in this environment and I worked to bring it, bring it to the child welfare system. The way it's structured, it just didn't fit. And so I revisited that conversation with my husband about, hey, remember many moons ago we were talking about potentially doing this. How can we help, um, you know, people flourish more in, in my conversations with my husband and I was before him. Uh, but really it's about helping each person's willing to change, about unlearning all the messages at their core be more authentically themselves, with, which is loving and compassion. Nice. And who came up with the name Metri Center? Does it have a certain meaning or? It does. <laughs> well, we, it would be you. Yes, it would be me. We had lots <laughs> of conversations about the different names. Remember, there was a big long one that we had, the LLC, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, ultimately, I wanted a, a, a name that really spoke to what was at the core of the of the center. So my tree means loving kindness <clears throat> in Sanskrit. Um, and and that's really is the core. It's not about romantic love for us. It's not it's about unconditionally loving and accepting ourselves, which compassion can help do. Um, and so we thought it really encompassed um, what we stand for. Um, Nice. So, David, uh, while I'm talking to you, you know, most <clears throat> when you talk about love and compassion, you know, it's it's 
if you put it really black and white, most of the times it's a women thing, right? So how do you fit in, if I can ask it so bluntly? Sure. Uh, well, the the love that we deal with uh, isn't really um, romantic love, physical love. The, the broader, higher definition of what love is, which is... Um, it's everything, right? It's 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 involved in everything. It, it's a uh, everything has an aspect of love, and it's allowing all things to happen. Um, that's what we ground condition our, our self compassion in, right? Is allowing all things. So it's not the romantic love that we think of as the human perspective. It's it's love for oneself. It's a re- it's developing a relationship with oneself is what we where we speak of it's the unconditional love. So I guess in a nutshell to keep it simple is it's, it deals with the hard conversations that we often don't want to have with ourselves until we're ready to go through that final phase of awakening and then on to our own enlightenment. So how did I, yeah, does that, I think I, did I answer your question? Sorry. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's actually, um, I think it was meant to be for us to have the uh, the recording of the episode today because yeah. uh, last weekend I finished a three days uh, training which was about effortlessly manifesting and you could all, almost say that the, the the core of the training was about not who you are but what you are and they said in basically that what you are is pure love, right? So you should... Um, it's like uncovering several layers of an onion, right? Till you come to the to the core of of yourself, and that's mm-hmm. pure love. And if you are truly connecting with yourself, then things happen for a reason. And that's, um, I think, people lose the connection with their true self, and that's about what you say: yeah. self trust, self confidence. But it's also self-love, and uh, we're conditioned by an environment where we grow up, and that's a pity because we have to get back to our uh, to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of the that's the journey of the physical, right? So the the physical experience is you come here, you have a with the original feeling of separation, of isolation, of individuality, and then you you know you you move on to growing the relationship inevitably with oneself because that's all you have you 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 have your relationship with yourself and that's it everything else is a reflection of aspects of yourself and how they come back to you in the surrounding physical realm at least that's my perspective (laughs) in that that, then that was my experience i love what david said that was my experience you know, before I used to externalize things in my relationship. If he only, you know, gave me more praise or loved me more or did this. But when I started to give myself love and I was able to give myself everything that I was seeking for externally, including my partner, I didn't need him to be different. I didn't need him to be anybody other than who he was. I accepted him because I accepted myself. And so it really is. And we mirror to each other the areas that we need to grow. And that's what makes the relationship so helpful and beautiful. And and so, and I think that's what we all do for one another. Everybody's a mirror to help us really uncover what we really believe in who we're being. Nice. And you said a good point when you were talking about need. So as long as you identify with a need, then you are still playing the, the game of like duality, right? Like the whole outside world being separate from self and you're not you're not you know you still maintain that you're not maybe you don't understand that you you're actually creating the experience that is reflected back to you but when we have that need you're grounded in the duality right you're grounded in that rational mind and you're you're in doing that you've limited where you can go in that inward journey because your focus is on need Right, I need a relationship. I need love. I need money. I need all these things. But what you don't, what most of us don't understand, is that we're limiting ourselves because we are 
in that frequency, so to speak, of need. So your creation, your experience will be grounded around everything to do with need. So you're going to reflect back to you more need, right? I need a loving relationship. So you're probably going to see areas where you're not getting anything. So guess what? It just reinforces my need. Yeah, yeah. But when you release that need, then you can actually allow it to actually come to you, whatever it is. That's that's where we are with the the center. It's not the it's the it's a tough it's a tough question, right? Like compassion is a very very hard subject. Love is very very challenging for people to truly step into loving themselves in order to express love for their surroundings but it's not easy it's not frou-frou it's not the let's all sit around and kumbaya and love one another and give it. <laughs> yeah. it's not that's not yeah it's i i think big part of of this challenge is that you can tell people that they have to start loving themselves but when you tell them that it's on a conscious level which means the mind is involved. And sure. it's it's the mind that's the biggest obstacle in this internal uh journey. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, it it's like, you know, um I don't know how to love myself. And if I try to think about it, I'm using the mind, and you shouldn't use the mind. So it's Yeah. Well, you you will, you will always use your mind, but I, I know where you're going with that. Um, what, what we do is, first of all, we don't ask. We don't tell people what to do. There's none of that. Because your journey of your own awakening, your own awareness, your own path to your own enlightenment is yours alone. And it will be different for everybody else. On their like, Because it all happens perfectly for, for all the individuals that make up our world, right? It's, yeah. it's going to happen to everybody. At some point along the journey, it may be... I don't know, 100, it may be a long ways away, maybe tomorrow, but nobody will know that. They probably won't even know that until it's right there in front of them. So <laughs> we don't tell people what they need to do because, again, then we bring in need. And to your point, we're right back in the rational mind, grounded in duality. And then there's a right and a wrong, a good and a bad, and a specific way to do things. And like you were speaking about manifesting. Well, manifesting, true manifesting, what we do every day truly doesn't come with an with an outcome like we don't when we try to architect a manifestation and we're just trapped in our own mind we get caught up in the thinking the rational mind manifestation is you desire a creation and then you allow that creation to unfold in one way shape or form and yeah it may be wonderful it may not be as ideal but it's still the beauty of experience right yeah exactly and that's I, hard people see yeah. hard right one of the things I've observed in terms of doing this work is that the more that people start to practice compassion and self-love, the more those objections that are in there will start to come out because mm-hmm. they're coming out to be healed. They're coming out to be acknowledged. And so the more that you do that, and so the, the, the point is really not to get caught up in that story, that the, 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 what the mind is telling you, the story about who you are or who you were. And about all those objections, I think one of the things we talk about really is releasing the resistance, mm-hmm. allowing those emotions to come up, acknowledging them, allowing them to flow with ease and grace rather than, oh, my God, I'm having these thoughts. I shouldn't have these thoughts. I'm never going to learn to love myself. And so <clears throat> that resistance is really what we try to work with to soften so that all those thoughts can be allowed to go and all those beliefs can be allowed to go and so then you can then start to embody a different yeah. Nice. Which isn't easy. Yeah. Oh no. Challenging. And well, it can't be. It truly can't be taught. I, I, that yeah. I remember what one of my coaches once said. You know, uh, he he said it about business. Uh, he said business is simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And I think that applies to a lot of things. Yeah. It's true. So true. Yeah. So, what what are if you look at your your clients that come to you for for your for your support for your assistance, um, what are the um, I would almost say the default struggles or challenges they have that they think you know maybe your center could help them with it? Yeah, 
So the, the default struggles that we have seen really are the belief that things can't get better. It's, it's the, it's, so it's the, the belief that, that they can't do it. And that's probably the most challenging one because in order for you to experience something, you have to believe you can do it. You have to open up yourself to the potentiality. Um, a lot of it is, uh, so for example, I've worked with a number of people that will, will just, they will justify where they are rather than examine why they have some of those beliefs and let go of those beliefs so that we can start to um, embody a new identity. It's about embodying a different identity. Those beliefs we hold are just habits. They're thoughts we think every day and therefore we create a habit and there we create a new identity. Myself as a victim, myself as is, is, is traumatized, myself as less than, myself as unworthy and unlovable. And so it's about releasing some of those beliefs and willing to see ourselves in a new life, working on different habits that a new embodiment and therefore experiencing that um, mm-hmm. reality. Uh, yeah. But that, that can be challenging for people. And so mm. it's, it's interesting to me when I when we observe the journeys of the people we work with that, you know, the people that really um, have the furthest to go are really the ones that try to justify where they are. And, and I've done it myself. It's hard for us to really look at our lives and say, I've created them. I've led up myself to this point with all the thoughts and habits I've done. And acknowledging yourself and facing that takes courage. This is why David was saying, this is tough work. It isn't just fluffy, kumbaya, we're all lighting up, we love it. It's being able to look at all those aspects of yourself that you don't appreciate and, and being there for yourself and showing up for those aspects um, so that you can then do that for mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what we attract, who we attract are, are individuals that are, uh, I guess, ready to step into yeah. their own authority as the creator of their experience. Keep it simple. Right. There's there's many people out there who are on quote unquote spiritual journey, but it's all grounded in the rational mind. So it's what do I have to do? What to get me from A to B? You tell me, what do I have to do? Do I have to say this 20 times a day? Do I have to go over here and need something over here? Do I have to, you know, uh, meditate in this particular way? And that it, that's wonderful for those people on their journey, but that's not where we are. Again, it's limited. The, the rational mind in itself, it's it's constructed. It's just, it has limitations. And where we are headed is beyond. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't I've make talk- any sense to people. So, oh, my God, <laughs> <be crazy. laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, but I always, um, sometimes when I have clients, you know, uh, I use hypnotherapy to, to help my clients. And I always say to them that we're getting like, a million, uh, 12 million plus uh, signals that enters our body, you know, that our subconscious Mm -hmm. mind gathers, it processes, it filters, and about 60 of those will be forwarded to our conscious mind with this this 60 bits per second, uh, we create our own reality. And I sometimes say, you know, like the chair you're sitting on, it's putting pressure on your body. And now you're aware of this pressure because I'm putting the focus on it. But this pressure has been has always been there since you've been sitting there, but it got filtered out. And then I start understanding that, that the mind, the conscious mind can only process so little information. And it's it's where you focus on that 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 will be um, processed towards your conscious mind. For sure, it's the yeah the unconscious mind is is still the the dominant force in in what creates your experience. That's why often people are they're so confounded because myself included on my journey, I, I was like this. I, I'm like I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Why don't I see the result? Well, okay. So you're, you, like you said, you have this limited conscious awareness at any given time, but the the dominant unconscious force, which is really doing a lot of, like that's where a lot of the energy is focused on the unconscious mind. Up until such point when your awareness increases, so your conscious awareness. Is. 
because that's what we're doing. That is enlightenment is becoming more consciously aware. So they, you become more aware of what was once unconscious, which where all these identities are trapped and they're just running and they're, they're very, they have a lot of gravity because they're so emotionally grounded in all the stuff we see. And then, you know, you, you choose then to either allow them when they come up to go or you, Oh, this is still working for me. I enjoy it. I'll hold on to that. And this one, Oh God, I'm worried about something that happened when I was six years old on the playground. Okay. I'm going to let that. Right. Cause you know, it's an interesting process. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's interesting how much energy we put to the things we don't want to create, right? Like the, the words we speak have power. The thoughts we think have power. And so we so often speak negatively about our lives. And then we wonder why we experience what we experience. And so one of the things we uh, focus on is really like, what do we want to create? Where do we want to put that energy attention? Because energy is currency, right? If, you, if your thoughts and your words create, then think about all the times that you're putting that currency into things you don't want to create, things in here. And so it is a shift. Uh, but it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just going to add to that, that I was, I've been feeling into the, the idea of, to, to build off your point on how much we're so good at creating what we, may not want, but we're very good at making that happen. And I, I'm, I kind of feel like it has to do with, like we've created a collective consciousness, right? Amongst mm -hmm. all of us together that we, we don't, you can't help, you can't affect somebody's personal space, but we kind of agree that we have this understanding that kind of flows in it. We, everybody's putting out their own energy and their own being in this collective soup that we all kind of swim in. Well, I think we have created structures or, or patterns or processes that we, we're not aware of, right? This is on the, co the collective conscious level that we're, we're kind of, we've agreed that uh, elements of suffering are, are seem to have a lot of gravity. They have a lot of pull. And I'm wondering if that's maybe just the, like this, it was part of the evolution of the collective consciousness that we we kind of focused together on the things that we lacked, so to speak. Well, you know, it's it's also that um, I always say that the subconscious wants to protect us, keep us safe, and take care of us. So there's this this bit of negative focus, which is has been generation on generation being passed over right because it's it's like a survival mode right we don't we have a we tend to have a negative focus because it might hurt ourselves right and we don't want that so if for instance i think you already said it also in in some other words if you ask somebody what they want they're very good at saying what they don't want anymore yeah exactly but if you ask, but what do you want? You know, they have a hard time getting the words for that. Because those attention points aren't there. In the, in yeah, the yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, that's all part of the process, right? And, and to add to what David was saying, I think this is why, from our perspective, a lot of people that, you know, talk about compassion use the definition that has suffering in it. So it's an awareness of suffering and a forward suffering, right? To want to alleviate the suffering. But for us, it isn't about suffering. We don't want to put our energy and attention on our suffering. We want to put our energy and attention on doing acknowledging that we have created. Um, and so for us, it's as David mentioned, it's that allowance, allowing things to exist and then making a choice, a more conscious choice. To, with love and kindness to live our dream mm -hmm. without resistance, without judgment, and with more curiosity. Um, and I think that helps us kind of start to, to look at some of the reasons why we might be just in survival. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's survival. Like, you, you, know, you talked about the point of, of survival. That little voice, I believe, in, in you know, going back to what David said about the consciousness, I believe there it was, you know, placed there or, or you know, we've, paid attention to it because we needed to many perhaps 
But now it runs the show. Now it's the boss. Now it tells us that we are, you know, you know, like that people are horrible and the world is bad and that everything is fear. Now it's running the show and it's running the world. And so it's from our perspective, it is about stepping into your own economy, your own power, and taking that power back and saying, okay, you're the voice I may want to listen to. You know, like one of many in the committee that say, okay, well, we need to worry about this. Mm-hmm. But you're not running the show. I think that's the why we're currently where we are conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's getting yeah. to a place where you are not of this particular aspect in the world, but you're you're still in it. Right. It's a different frame of it's a different frame. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I'm in a crowd, but I'm not I don't have to do exactly what the crowd's doing. Yeah, exactly. But it it's 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 take it takes a certain mindset to do that. I mean, we are, uh, of course, we're habitual creatures, but we're also social animals. You know, we want to be a part of something. We don't want to be excluded. Mm-hmm. So, but that's taking the this, sta- yeah, taking the stand. You know that I'm in a crowd, but I don't need to be a part of it. You know, I'm yes. truly myself. That that was the word need. See, yeah, when you're in the crowd, but you don't need to be a part of the crowd. Then you're free. You're free to be in the crowd. But if the crowd wants to go, oh, jump, walk off a cliff because that's what everybody's doing, you don't need to do it because you don't. You just don't. I yeah. I love the beauty of what it. David has said because it reminds me of, you know, when you stand in your own authority, you belong to yourself. You have that sense of belonging no matter where you go. And the interesting thing is that if you don't stand in your own authority, you will easily, your energy will easily be swayed by the crowds. And it's so interesting because people see, people ask themselves, you know, I was in this crowd and I was doing all of these things. How could I do these things? This is not who I am. People wonder about you know, Nazi Germany and the people that just 20 million people followed. How come? When you don't stand in your own authority energetically, you will be swayed by the strongest energy. And so you will give it authority. And so I think this is really about standing in your own power and being able to move away from that need into yeah letting go of that collective consciousness like yeah. not we're not talking about you know hundreds of years ago when you were on your journey of enlightenment and you had to go live in the forest by yourself oh, because yeah you had to go <laughs> those that energy is finished right like so we're doing this in in the societal you know um, frame of reference like it's not about not being part of things but like to what we, what keeps coming back is once you're free of the need to be a part of whatever it is, then you are free to be a part of it without all that baggage, which often is caught in this, is trapped in the subconscious. Yeah. So yeah. That's where we focus. Pizza. That's yeah. So like when we talk about compassion with people, it inevitably right away, because I, I, I was compassion is allowing all things. Right, much like love, love is allow unconditional love is allowing all things. Compassion is a is a is an aspect. It's 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 right in that love bandwidth. We'll say. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, you inevitably go to the to the the conclusion. People do that. Okay, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But what about this? And then some. What about child abuse? Yeah, well, some nasty you know, some uh, expression comes out. You just allow that to be. Right. So I'm not telling you to allow any of it. And I think what people miss is that we're focused on the inner journey. So it's allowing all things to happen within themselves. So then you build that unconditional, loving, compassionate relationship for yourself. And then as a creator of your experience, guess what happens? You have a wonderful outpicturing. Things start to change. Things start to fade away. So the worry about these catastrophic negative things happening in the outside world, that starts to change, right? That starts to go away because you're not... Your focus isn't there because you're not being pulled by those aspects, those identities, the subconscious traits. All that stuff starts to just go, and then you don't have to worry. <laughs> and the reason why those anti-whatever movements don't work is because what you resist persists, yeah. right? Because you actually are inadvertently giving it energy and attention. And so yeah. that's why the war on crime doesn't work. The war on drugs doesn't work because we are putting our energy and attention. 
And so David's right. Like as soon as we take our attention off that, yeah, starts to lose that. But it has to happen, right? You can't make people. Oh, of course. Right? Like if you're very still grounded in in a duality, like we still, I still go in. You know, we're still in it because you're still part of society, right? Like we're not gonna. You're always in, we're in the physical, so you're always going to be a part of what creates the physical. There's no two, but what we feel is that we see a progression of, um, like, if you're fighting for a cause, if you have some form of cause, there will always be an opposite to that cause. You will never find an answer in anything. And that's great as a diversion. People love it. I've done it. Right, you're fighting for this, you're fighting for this, but it's kind of where we go is to that place in between that and. So you have that, you have that over there. So they have both sides, both spectrum of the of the duality, right? But then you have the and. So you have all that stuff in between that can also work as a potential. So it's it's not trying to not have the extremes, but it's it's being in that there's so much potential between those extremes, right? So for for all things to kind of yeah eat. nice yeah so I, I wanted to focus on a little different part because it, it's great to have the both of you here um i want to ask you how it is to run a company together yeah. so uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, how how is it that um are you doing uh, both the same things or are you complementing each other or uh, do you argue some sometimes or uh, how, how how is it to run a business together being a husband and wife interesting yeah it's uh, i personally love it i do um so there are so th- we do different things and we do complement each other greatly like david has a lot of knowledge not only just on the technical side but also the more spiritual and like he helps me gain perspective. We do have uh, when you like leaning conversations, so they're not challenging, but they it sometimes stretches us. Mm-hmm. For example, the compassion one is one. So in the beginning, I had a very different definition. I was more, you know, more like wider wrong. And so we would have conversations and say to me, Giselle, you know, compassion is allowing all things to be, right? Like understanding and seeing the perfection and the divinity in all. And I would be like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> you know, what about child abuse and this and that? And But as you start to kind of expand your knowledge and understand about the, 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 the point of non-resistance and, and non-judgment, curiosity, you start to see how compassion can really flourish from those perspectives. So, so we help each other gain perspective and stay on. The more process-oriented stuff, uh, you know, we do together. I sometimes take on the more, the more coaching one-on-one, more outlook the interviews and so on, the more technical one. But it's amazing how we have like synergistically come together um, to kind of make this thing that, you know, it, we had talked about like many months ago. David also has another separate business as well, which he runs um, as well on his own. So it's sort of like managing all those things. Uh, so yeah, there's everything. There is love and compassion in this process. There's also, you know, frustration sometimes when he's in that business and I need him to do this business. Yeah. But there is, uh, but there's always growth and understanding. So, and I think that's what keeps us and still showing up. We're still able to identify that we both have our our own journey. But yes, we've come together as a, as a common driving force or goal or whatever you want to desire to yes, put forth whatever that we're doing. Uh, but we're still, you know, if, if Giselle wants to do something that I, doesn't resonate with me or that I'm not really drawn to at this point, she does it vice versa. Right. So like that works well too, because we're not, we're not trying to pull each other in ways that we don't want to. Go. We may push each other as a reflection of ourselves, you know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. when we have difficult conversations, I'm really having a conversation pushing myself. It just comes through Zell, which is wonderful because we can get angry with each other and then get over it and, and see it for what it was, right? Because we're able to do that. 
but from a purely business perspective, it it does help that because we we don't have a lot of that um, ego that drives things to kind of bend people. And th- there's no power over in our yeah. organization. Like we're not trying to be the only person that's ever done anything. Oh no! <laughs> and that's and that's it's it's so thank you for mentioning that because I will say that's probably been a big part of this journey for me. In the beginning, when we were talking about my train resistance, I had a very rigid perspective on how I think should go, and I think that caused friction between us. Between but you know, in conversation and in working with him and reflecting, the minute that I let go and said, "Okay, I can do certain things, and he can do other things," and then it's still we're just allowing it to evolve mm-hmm. into these beautiful things it evolved into better things than i thought i could imagine but it was like you said letting go of that ego that you know i'm coming from a workplace and thinking that things should be x y or z and being open to the potential sometimes it feels challenging sometimes it's challenging to, oh yeah to do that i would say that's the more challenging aspect of it is is creating a business that is not grounded in for lack of it, just to keep things simple, in that 3D mentality, right? Yeah. So everything has an X, Y, you know, an A, B to get to C kind of thing, yeah. linear framework, which most, every, you know, most well, not all, but a lot of businesses still go that way, right? So you have a an idea of an, an, an outcome, you have an expectation, and then the old way is, well, you're going to hell or high water, I'm going to make yeah, it I'm going to grind right? it out and go yeah. step A, B, C, or D. So part of our process in releasing that within ourselves yeah. has allowed this business to kind of show up in in ways that we didn't nice. see it. Yeah. yeah, just allow it. That's what we are, right? Yeah. And I I, I think that you know uh, I'm uh, myself uh, I'm in the business with my wife as well, and I think that the biggest strength. And I see that with uh, you guys as well is have this unconditional support of one another, uh, but also giving each other room to grow and develop and to do your own thing. And of course, if if there are some 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 decisions to be made, right? Of course, you can have some 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 very heavy conversations because. You're both in it, right? Uh, you should, especially if money is involved, you know, you should both be behind the decision you're making. But it's, it's those conversations keep you sharp, you know, uh, give you, maybe sometimes give you new insights because once you got something got you focused, you tend to have blinders on. And it definitely helps if you have a spouse that, is asking questions that you didn't want to ask yourself. So you start thinking over it again and again. Yeah. But, but at the end, you, you make a decision that feels good. And if you have this unconditional support of your spouse, and that's that's the the, the basics of, of success in the business, I guess. And it also helps if you're both in the business that you know what the other person is doing because you're in the same business. <laughs> yeah there's a, a great deal of trust i trust my husband because i trust myself mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i learned about this relationship was that when, I, when, when there was no trust for other people was that i didn't trust myself to be able to cope with anything like the other person did something but i i have a lot of trust in myself and I definitely trust his perspective. yeah we went through you know a lot of the evolution of our individual relationship, but all, yeah. which impacts your coming together, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, like most every couple, we had our elements of codependence, yeah. right? Not in the traditional yeah. catastrophic negative sense, obviously, but everything that you depend on somebody for that has to deal with a relationship is translates to a codependence. Right? So even just counting on somebody for whatever can lead to a dependence, which is... Mm-hmm. So we allowed that evolution to kind of take place. And once that kind of, it was, you want to talk, those were hard conversations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like getting past all those things, yeah. you're seeing yourself and you're like, oh my God. So when that kind of ran its course, then, you know, every this stuff is like, Giselle was saying, like you trust the other 
person only because you trust yourself. So you start to love yourself. You gain that relationship because those things are that you relied on that outside world, which is in that case, the other person for uh, have now been allowed to fade away. So you're not looking for that because guess what? It's back here inside, right? It's with you. So then, yeah, it comes through. You can focus on what you truly desire versus what you think you need to have. And that is reflected in our relationships. As nice. long as you do everything that I want. <laughs> and I will also say it's also been reflected in our conversation in our relationship with our children. Yeah. Right? Like I've definitely evolved. Like there was a lot of resistance at the time. And through like releasing that resistance, dealing with curiosity rather than compassion, the curiosity rather than judgment, and really interacting with the kids with compassion. It's, it's morphed our relationship, you know, like I don't get into power struggles anymore about, or when I do, I'm able to shift out of them much quicker around like the cleaning and the thing and all that. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it just brings so much suffering into your household when it's not necessary. Yeah. Like it's, it's and that will affect business too. Nice. Right. So I'm afraid we could talk hours on those subjects, you know, because I love it. Uh, like I said, I just came back from a three days training. So my head is still full of the training. And mm-hmm. um, I got some great insights, by the way. It's it's wonderful to, to have those moments. Uh, I guess your clients also have those moments that I get this insights or revelations that, that totally transforms them uh, instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a certain example that that comes to mind of one of your clients that came to you for help that totally transformed his or her life that that comes to mind that you could mention in the show yeah i can well you know i can't name names whatever so i speak in generality um i was working with a woman who like it the, the beginning of the journey was really really challenging um and was really challenged in all areas of her life and uh, I believe that it was after five sessions, her life had totally turned around, turned into a very positive person, understood that the, the, some of the workplace challenges she was having were actually something that she was creating, but she was not aware that her lack of self-compassion was really reflecting on what was happening in the workplace. So that shifted for her. And, but one of the things, I, I do want to point this out, one of the things that both David and I say is that it's not us doing this. It's the person doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. We are just sort of like offering you a guidebook and saying, okay, well, you know, like th- these are things that will help you be more in touch with yourself. You know, uh, uh, unlearning and, and churning on these beliefs and, and really answering these questions is helping you tap into more of yourself. So it is you doing the same. It's you doing the shift. That's mm-hmm. why you can't do it for people. And so she shifted herself in a very short time with us working together. But really what I say to her all the time is, because she says to me, she'll, you know, like people will send me things. Be like, Oh, you know, I can thank you. You did. And I'm like, no, no, you did this. Mm-hmm. Because then when you start to become dependent on people, you think that they're safe. Nobody's saving anybody. We're all each saving ourselves, but we're helping ourselves through the journey. So David yeah. has helped me a lot during my journey. He holds the map, but he cannot save me. Right. Mm. So he shows me the path. He asks me questions, helps me uncover some of the stuff, helps me reflect back. And I do that same thing for, ev- for other people. And this is how we get ourselves where we want to be. Yeah. This is where enlight- we help her walk each other home to enlightenment. Yeah. We just provide the potential, but yes. like what you were saying, um, I don't have a specific example because I just look at it as a wonderful expression, a wonderful um, happening of a person, an individual taking authority for something. That That's what happens when you have an aha moment, you're taking authority, you're taking ownership for whatever aspect or identity or belief you're either releasing or something allowing something else to come in another piece of knowledge turning into wisdom boom you you've taken that next little step on your journey into your sovereignty like your freedom which is wonderful so that's what how i reflect on those things it's just another 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 moment like that right because i can tell you 
like I, I tell people a hundred times, and people can tell me a hundred thousand times the same thing. And then until I take it, once I take it in and then it becomes mine, then I'd be like, hey, guess what? I just <laughs> yes. this. Yeah. Right. This new learning. right. right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. That taking that ownership, that authority of back. Yeah. Wonderful. N ni nicely said indeed. And it, it's the same about uh, with hypnosis as well. You know, a lot of trainers also say that all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. The only thing mm -hmm. is that we are creating the circumstances in which the clients can make this transformation or get this revelation or get this insights of those aha moments. We're just creating circumstances in which okay. it can happen. You're being the mirror. Exactly. It's wonderful. Right. Yeah. 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 So, depends the mind, though. I guess I already know more or less where it's where it will go. But if you could share a little tip, a little piece of wisdom with the audience, what would that be? Hmm. Wisdom with the audience. At this point in the in our current, what comes to mind for me when I feel into that is um, people are pushing on themselves a lot. Most of us are still identify with the outside world as the cause and we're at the effect of it. But inevitably, there's a lot of push on people, on their beingness. They don't understand it. My advice to people is to just take a breath, learn, be very good. Be a master at taking breath and just kind of slow down. Just try to allow things to come to you. Even just allow things to go by you. That's what I notice. I witness people, especially with driving. Driving is crazy where we are. I don't know where you're located. Where are you located? I'm located in the Netherlands. Yeah, so I imagine it's just as busy there. But we, you can't go anywhere here without people just freaking out on each other on the highway and stuff. So you can tell, right? It's a reflection of where people are. They're just very, the world is pushing on us, whether we want it or not. And that's where we're, it's not going to go away. It's going to have the illusion of getting more intense and then it will eventually start to dissipate. But learning to take time for yourself, right? Through the breath, even it's very simple. You just take a couple of breaths and just bring yourself back to yourself. And then you can kind of start to go through things. It's that's simple. It's but it works. It works wonderful. I'm sure you do that with your clients. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. It's it actually your your advice reminds you of a quote I once read that in order to have a healthy life, you should meditate for one hour each day. Except when you're busy, then you need to meditate two hours. Exactly. <laughs> but see, I look. I take meditation in as everything we do. So for me, meditation is in a different altered state. This is meditative. Your conscious, your living day-to-day -day life is actually a meditation because what are you doing in it? You're trying. You're, we're all working to find that wonderful balance point, right? And that con conscious awareness that we traditionally think we need to go into a meditative state for. But then what? You come back into this world and you're like, oh, my God, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay? So you yeah. bring that back here. Breathe here. Yeah, and anyway. I, I love that that you said that because it is about that inner stillness. Um, it's amazing how many people are holding their breath. Like when we're most tense, we hold our breath. It's amazing how, you know, as I was going through my journey, there would be days when I was noticing myself, I was really kind of getting into the awareness of my body. And then I would stop breathing mm -hmm. in the most tense moments. And I'm like, breathe, <laughs> take a breath. But mm -hmm. It's amazing. So that is really actually powerful advice. But again, it's one of those, it's simple, but people don't realize that because it, it's about allowing, right? We don't have to think about breathing. We don't have to think about beating of our heart. Naturally, the body does what it wants to do. It wants homeostasis. It wants peace. But we resist it. We resist our breath. We resist everything in our lives. And it's that resistance that keeps us stuck. And so the allowance is what really starts to get us on that journey forward. Yeah, and coming back to oneself, right? Yeah, no. I, I think I think that it's already in, uh, a challenge for a lot of people just to be in the present. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. So in the the, the expression of hold of not of holding your breath, that is 
removing yourself from your center. That's that's what we're trying to do. Like not not by the holding your breath, but the holding your breath is the expression, the example of it. Because our we get so removed, right? Like we are resisting ourselves so much to such a degree that we're kind of kind of outside beside ourselves, you know. Like when you're really feeling that you're at the affect of the surrounding world, that's what you're experiencing. You're experiencing this kind of removal from being with yourself. And so the breath is a wonderful identifier of that. And my yeah. my son is is very good at it. He's 12 years old. But when he's playing a video game, right, which is an altered state of reality, he's constantly because mm-hmm. <sighs> he's here and then he's not here. He's somewhere he's like beside <laughs> him, you know, in that other so it's it's just uh and we're always telling him just breathe. I'm like, just breathe. It, the game's still there. Just let it come in and let it go out. Yeah. Right. And then you yeah. can and you can actually enjoy it more because you're not so focused on being at the affect of what's going on in the screen, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Nice. So if people want to know more about you or um get in touch with you or maybe even get in touch with the center, how can you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have email, so it's info at mytreecenter.com, which is M-A-I-T-R-I-D-E-N-T-R-E.com. We also have a website as well, and you'll be able to find, uh, you know, uh, we have meditations that we do on our YouTube channel. We have a podcast called The Loving Compassion Podcast with Giselle, where we talk about the power of love and compassion and being able to heal our lives and our world. Um, as well as some other free stuff. So you can check us out. Nice. I don't have Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for being a guest in my show. Uh, I truly uh, enjoyed your presence. And after the training I had, I also know a bit more about your business. Of course, I don't know all the details, but I I get where you're going. I think it's where everybody should be going. So uh, hopefully you get lots more clients because people need this. Yeah, I think we need this this mind shift actually uh, to make the world a better place, so to speak. And I wish you all the best and let's stay in touch. Thank Thanks you so very much. much. Nice Thank meeting you so you. much. I hope you liked this episode. Make sure to check out the other episodes because each one is filled with interesting and inspiring stories and energy. Are you following your passion as well and make a good living out of it? Contact me and you could be my next guest. Would you like to follow your passion but are not there yet? Check out my website millionairelifestrategy.com and book an appointment to discover what I could do for you. Don't forget to share the podcast with your friends so that they get inspired as well. 